Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Undisputed Future Podcast. This is a milestone for me. This is episode 20, and we are a Ty Dillinger, a perfect 10 days away from NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. I am CD Danny Mac, and accompanying me this week are two special guests, my consistent co-host, Nikki Six. Hey, everyone. Good to be back. And a special guest this week, guys, a third member of the panel this week, my good friend who's been dying to get on here, Matt Savage. Matt, thank you for joining us Oh, here. that's right. Woo! CD Danny Mac. I've been very, very excited to get here on the Undisputed Future podcast. Just want to tell our fans about myself. Sure. Like most of the fans here, I have I watched during the Attitude Era. And like most of the fans, unfortunately, I stopped watching. The ratings after kind of the show that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, a friend of mine... Uh, Mr. Danny McCauley, a.k.a. C.D., Danny Mac, invited me over to WrestleMania, and I had nothing to do, and I said, sure, let me come over and watch. And I was so blown away by some of the young talent, specifically some of the young talent that came up from NXT, and I was just blown away by some of the work they were doing in the ring, and I said, you know what, I have to get back into this. So I'm very excited to be here, very excited to talk some NXT and I'm ready to roll. Good to have Let's you aboard. Um, uh, WrestleMania 32 is what he's referring to. A great WrestleMania for NXT talents. A arsenal of NXT talents featured in that show. And Matt was hooked ever since. I'm glad I could take credit for that. Thank you for putting Absolutely. me over there, Matt. Let's get started, guys. The road to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 has been a bumpy one so far. And this week starts off with Sanity. More specifically... It gets so much better. More specifically, Nikki Cross calling out the Authors of Pain. A very unique approach to Sanity's mind games, but it delivered in a huge fashion. Guys, what a hardcore start to this episode they of NXT. They came out ready to brawl. There was no vest or nothing. They just had the, the straight shirts. And as they're making their way down to the ring, Eric Young bursts forth and beats the hell out of Razor. It was great. Eric Young jumping the Authors of Pain on their way to the ring, managing to catch Razor a step behind Matt. The Authors of Pain always have chemistry going down to the ring. Did it cost them against Sanity in this instance? I mean, I think so. I mean, they highly underestimated Eric Young and his presence. He's been away for a long time. They probably didn't think he was coming back anytime soon. Eric Young came right back, gave it to them out of nowhere. And I would, I just want to say that Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane, you know... They've proven themselves, I think, as a tag team in a lot of respects, but something just wasn't right about Sanity without Eric Young at the helm. Something was just missing, and he came back, and you you felt the grittiness of that faction again. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Something there. And Eric Young is the embodiment of Sanity. He is exactly what they need, and they weren't expecting him to come back. He was completely out of the scene and then bursts forth onto the scene again, Breaking all expectations. I wasn't expecting to see him until after TakeOver, personally. But this this shows us exactly what Sanity is. It's ruthless. He tied the man, zip-tied the man, to the guardrail. It was amazing. The last time we seen something like that was like in the 90s, like you said, when you watched the last, probably. <laughs> Eric Young's genius definitely showing tonight. Tying Razor to the guardrail with the zip-tie. This whole... Guys, I think it's pretty clear as day. Eric Young's master plan is to capture those NXT Tag Team Championships for Sanity. It's definitely the first step. Razor tied on the outside. Akum was left defenseless and just 
hyenas in the form of Alexander Wolf and Killian Dane. I didn't want to Eric say... Eric Young was in there, too. He did some stomping. <laughs> I didn't want to say he got sent to the Wolves, because that was a little bit predictable with Alexander. <laughs> anyway, Akum got decimated. Like we have never seen the Authors of Pain put in a vulnerable situation like this, guys. What does that do to Paul Ellering? How does he redesign the plan going into TakeOver? Either one of you guys can pick it up from here. Well, I mean, they definitely got some revenge on the Authors of Pain, and it was definitely well-deserved because we all saw the beating that they took the last time they were in the ring. We thought a sanity plan didn't come to fruition. Obviously, this week was a different story. Definitely the first time in a long time we've seen that. You know what I think is interesting about Authors of Pain in particular, and I could be wrong on this, you'd have to fact-check me a little bit, but they've never dealt with a wild-card team. Such as Saturday. I mean, you have Johnny Gargano and uh, Tommaso Ciampa, and you have um, the Revival. You have teams like that. Yeah, but they're a different kind of wild card. They're, they're a were different high kind. Flyers. They were technical. This is but crazy. This is absolutely brawling. It crazy. Out. Sanity is a completely different creature. There's no doubt about it. Matt, to your point, this is also the first time a faction has gone for the NXT Tag Team Titles since the Wyatt family. Very true. So Sanity I can mean, put together so many different combinations. I've said it last week. I've said it a bunch of weeks. I think Dane and Wolf is my personal favorite. But Eric Young being thrown back in the mix. Nick, I know you got to be a fan of that. Do you think Eric Young competes for the NXT Tech titles? I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's going to stay at the helm, like you said. And I feel like he is going to be the best bet for Sanity to take any charge in the heavyweight division. Yeah, I have to agree there, Nick. I think Wolf, this is the opportunity for Wolf and Dane to really legitimize themselves as uh, true NXT superstars and to step out of the shadow of Eric Young. Not necessarily the shadow, Matt. I'm going to disagree with you there. Sanity has always had this even-level playing field. Dane and Wolf are just as important as Eric Young, who may be perceived as the smartest member of Sanity, but never a superior. Nikki Cross the same way. Nikki Cross was able to branch out and be a standout of Sanity without diminishing the presence of any of the members. Granted, she was fighting for championships while everybody else was in blood feuds with Ty Dillinger's stable, but Sanity has always had that cohesive unit where Eric Young is the brains, but not necessarily a leadership figure. Yeah, I feel like they all play off of each other. And that's where the true sanity comes from. I think Eric Young is their best bet as far as a singles breakout. But the tag team chemistry between Dane and Wolf is shown in this yeah, beating of Akam. It's off the chart. Who has decimated the Authors of Pain like these guys have? Wolf and Dane put the hurting on. Razar trying to come to his partner's aid by dragging the guardrail from the audience. But guys, no what avail. just... <laughs> no avail. The man got in the ring... And was still dragging the guardrail, but just got stomped out by everyone. Too much power. Even Nikki Cross was sitting there stomping, I think. <laughs> it's not the first time we've seen Nikki Cross really take it to a male superstar. She just doesn't care if you are, man. She's going to beat you down anyway. The loose cannon of sanity in that women's division. Dane and Wolf and Eric Young putting the hurting on Authors of Pain. Eric Young, the maestro of sanity, leading a double-team neckbreaker. For them all to stand victorious and holding those NXT Tag Team Championships. Whoever can pick it up from here. Is this a sign of things to come for NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3? Uh, I think so. I see Wolf and Dane really overpowering these guys. The, the Authors of Pain have never seen anything like this. It's pretty significant. And this they've truly met their match on this one. I What do you think, Nick? 
I think personally that while they are going to bring it to the Authors of Pain, I don't know that the Authors of Pain's reign is over. I feel like Paul Ellering is a master in his own right, and he is going to think something out that is going to counterbalance Eric Young and Nikki Cross, if need be, because the man knows what the possibilities are, and he's going to account for every one of them. As it is understood, Dane and Wolf will be the representation of Sanity in this tag team matchup. I've gone on the record saying I think AOP is holding the NXT Tag Team Championships for the longest reign. They will bypass the Ascension, and Paul Ellering's mastermind is definitely going to be a big part of that. I cannot wait for the clash of strategies between him and Eric Young. Welcome back, Eric Young. Moving on from the Tag Team Champions and their next competitors, we shift into the NXT Women's Champion, Asuka, addressing Ember Moon last week. We got another look at this confrontation, and we heard the war of words. We heard from Asuka. We heard from Ember Moon. But most importantly from last week, guys, we saw for the... Eclipse. We saw for the first time ever, Asuka has been eclipsed, and Ember Moon with that slight moment of conflict with the NXT Championship. Asuka has been on a tear throughout the NXT division. Matt, I know you had a lot of things to say about Asuka. Please, take it from here, my friend. Well, first about Ember Moon, I just want to say she's the best thing to happen to the stunner since Randy Orton's RKO. I gotta say that. That's a big word right I there. I mean, that eclipse, oh man. I, I remember my jaw dropping to the floor when I first saw that move. But we uh, saw it live at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, too. Imagine how we yeah, felt. Oh, boy. Off so the charts. Fantastic move. But anyway, about Asuka. CD Danny Mac knows. Knows I've been chomping at the bit to get on the air and talk about Asuka. I need guys. the Asuka support on here, man. <laughs> I, I keep getting exchanged from Nick about this going back and forth and Ember Moon like, being the one. And I do not like the new attitude that she has, thinking that she's better than the entire division that is not the Oscar that I was brought into. It's I undefeated into champion confidence. She needs to defend that title on a regular basis. Well, well, building, building off of everything you guys are saying, I think it's fairly obvious that at this point, Oscar is the top women's performer in the entire WWE. You can make the argument for Charlotte and Sasha, but I think, I mean, Asuka bar none in terms of ring excellence. It's got to be Asuka. And um, I've just been thinking a lot about the way viewers watch the NXT product specifically because the NXT obviously reaches the hardcore base. Sure. And I, I think a lot about... A piece in the New York Times a few years ago, it's called Everything is Wrestling. I'm not going to summarize it here because we don't have a lot of time. Great article though, guys. I could definitely I I encourage you to check that out. And uh, one of the things they talk about specifically is how hardcore fans, which is everyone who is listening right now, everyone who watches NXT, they view the product and its meta storyline. So they know a lot of the backstage dirt and stuff like that. So when people watch NXT, they're watching specifically about who's getting called up. When are they going to get called up? When are they going to drop the belt? And what I've show are they going to, which is just as important in today's WWE atmosphere. Oh, incredibly. And I, I've been having these thoughts about Asuka because you've got to figure, based on her spectacular in-ring performance, at some point at the end of this WrestleMania cycle, she is going to get called up to the main roster. Absolutely. And I think this plays a lot into what is going to happen at, at um, TakeOver Brooklyn. Will she drop the belt to Ember Moon at, at TakeOver Brooklyn? Is she due for a call-up? Will this call-up wait until the conclusion of the WrestleMania cycle? Will it drop to Sonya Deville, who they've been building up big time? I don't know. I feel like she's definitely not done with her run. 
But at the same time, I agree to a certain extent. She's nearing her... She's nearing the end of her run. You can definitely feel it. She's starting to see the smoke at the end of the fire. I don't think it's going to happen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was a subtle way of saying you're rooting for Ember Moon, man. I'm (laughs) on to you. Absolutely. Everyone knows. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I am behind Ember Moon 100%. I want her to take it out in a blaze of glory. (laughs) I'm not going to disagree here only because I do believe that Asuka's run in NXT should come to an end, but I don't think she's going out as a non-champion. I think something similar will happen. She'll gr- she'll outgrow the NXT title. That will say a lot about the division. It'll put over Asuka as a heel. A title that she held for so long, she's just going to disregard and move up to Raw or SmackDown. I think that's entirely possible. So you think she's going to carry the streak into her main roster debut? I think Asuka should go up to the main roster as an undefeated superstar. I disagree entirely. I don't think that that is how that should play out at all. What kind of force shows up to Raw or SmackDown in the women's division like Asuka? Who's going to bring that presence? She's already the most imposing force because of her streak and because of her prowess on NXT. Everyone on the Raw and SmackDown rosters knows exactly what's going on in NXT. And they know what they're about to get into when Asuka gets there. I just don't want to see her get pinned. I think that her bringing up the NXT women's division champion would be a step backwards for the NXT women's division. And that's not what we need. CD Danny Mac, Nikki Six, can I can I share my my thoughts about what would make Asuka the incredible, unstoppable force on the main roster? Please. Main roster Asuka prediction, let's go. Can you imagine Asuka showing up with the advocate, Paul Heyman, by her side, cutting her promos like Brock Lesnar? Because what's the big what's the big one issue with Asuka? It's the language barrier. And she I think she does a very good job at overcoming that but you want to legitimize this women's revolution you want to legitimize to the the women's roster put the best speaker in the business next to the best women's wrestler in the business i like that idea i like that idea a lot because the language barrier they've written oscar very well she comes out with these short phrases nobody is ready for oscar has sent shockwaves through the NXT Women's Division, and it's a, just a small number of words, but it summarizes Asuka's dominance so well. I think hearing the advocate put over the Empress of Tomorrow can be huge. I, I hear it in my head already. Nick, what are your thoughts on that? I think, I, I like the idea. I think it's a fantastic idea to see it play out. It would be amazing, because I'm a fan of ECW, and any reason to see Paul Heyman out there talking and doing his thing is a good reason. However, I don't know that that's the best way to take it. It is the women's revolution. I feel that we can go more woman-heavy. There may be a woman advocate that we can bring in. I don't know off the top of my head, maybe Lita, Trish, someone like that. I agree that she could use an advocate. I feel that we should stay in the realm of the women's division, though. I think that what we've done or what they've done with the women's division in the last couple of years is absolutely amazing and that they need to keep it going. They need to stay within absolutely. the realm of what they're already doing and that's keeping the women tight-knit close together. Women's Revolution, Asuka, as a Paul Heyman girl, I want your thoughts. Matt, a very good point, a great conversation piece. Tweet at us about it, at podcast underscore UF. Let's converse. Asuka, Empress of Tomorrow, a Paul Heyman girl. Entirely possible. I'd like to see it. Great point. Let's move on to some other standouts in the NXT women's division. Nikki Six's favorite, the iconic duo. Oh, yeah. 
I love Peyton Royce. She's so beautiful. Peyton and Royce and Billy, Billy Kay. Billy Kay gracing us with her beauty as well. They were going to give us a makeup tutorial. They were going to show us all how to be absolutely as gorgeous as they are. But then in the background, you see Ruby Riot just messing up their shot. How dare they? How dare she? How it's dare Ruby wrong. Riot warm up for a match? Yeah, that's, that's how just How dare she invade their personal space with her tattoos and whatnot? They said, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but they were not happy and neither was I. Peyton Royce and Billy Kay do not like gauges and tattoos. It, it's just, uh, it's beyond me. I'm a huge Ruby Riot fan. I gotta, I gotta side with Nikki Six on this one. I really like Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. They're, they're like a, almost a throwback to the divas. You know, I love the women's revolution. I love what's going on with all of our women's rosters, but I kind I miss some of the divas action. They're like a big throwback to some of the divas and, this is very reminiscent of Trish and Lita, almost, with Ruby Riot being the edgier Lita type, and of course, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay being the eye candy in this feud, and it gives me a real throwback feeling. Yeah, I agree. I, I could definitely see that. We, we're definitely starting to see Peyton Royce and uh, Billy Kay come into their own, and they definitely throw off that old-school diva vibe, but they also can still... Bring it. Yes, that's very They important. can wrestle. That's the term that we're steering away from diva. They yeah. are women's wrestlers, but you're right. The beauty, the diva-like personalities, they are... Well, I posted this... Some I've, tough Aussies. I posted this on the Instagram page. They're a better Bella Twins. They got a better yeah. attitude. The Australian accent gets way more heat at full sail. I don't know why the accent gets more heat, but it does. They get booed. They get reactions. The iconic duo is a force to be reckoned with. And they get the reaction they want. They're going to get a great rivalry out of Ruby Riot, just like they got out of Ember Moon. I was going to say, do you guys think that that's an official call-out? Do you think that we'll see something come out of that from Ruby Riot? Or do you think it's just like something that the iconic duo is just picking on another person in the back, and it's just a little fun? I think it's going to bud into a rivalry. Ruby Riot is not one to just sit aside while people talk about her and how let's conform to this standard of beauty. Ruby Riot, above all else, is her own person, and that's what makes her stand out in this division. I think we'll definitely get a, a Ruby Riot Peyton Royce match at some point, only because I think they've been trying to find something for her ever since the, um, the three way. Match between her, yeah, Asuka definitely. Do you guys think Nikki that Cross. they're going to bring in like a secondary element for Ruby Riot? And if if you do, who do you think they're going to bring in as like a tag team partner element? I mean, there's plenty of uh, unused women on that roster. I got one. I want somebody who has had history with the iconic duo to come back, and somebody with a lot of success over them, Liv Morgan. Yes. Somebody we have not seen. On NXT television for quite some time, Liv Morgan and Ruby Wright, kind of a clash of styles and appearance. Yin and Yang right there. Definitely, but they both have beef with the iconic duo. I think that might be enough for them to get along for as long as they need to. Enemy is my friend. We'll find out in the coming weeks what's next for the iconic duo and if Ruby Wright is going to go it alone or if she's going to recruit some help. Moving past a possible alliance in the NXT women's division, let's bring it back to tag team action. We had the debut of the Street Profits. This was long-awaited for me. Ah, uh, so much for me. I don't really... I'm, I'm not so so sold. Still think they're crime time light? I, I really am not a fan yet. I don't know. Their snap stories got me pretty excited. I like the snap stories, I too. Mean, they're all right. Like I said, they have the fans' ears and eyes. It's, it's nice to see that we have something fun going on other than... Heavy machinery. However, I'm not sold entirely on their gimmick. I feel like it can go 
flat as soon as they get into the main roster. We but, got time for that. Do you think they're a credible babyface tag team just based on one right, match? Based, based on, on one this match. match specifically, their in-ring prowess was fantastic. Angelo Dawkins had an girth of improvement. I was blown away by the fact that he did so well. He was moving more fluently. He had more confidence in himself. Montez Ford was very fun to watch. He had a lot of movement. Their double team moves were fun. They were still bobbing and weaving and dancing during the match. It was it was a lot of fun to see. A lot of fun, but also a lot of strength out of Angelo Dawkins. I'm personally really happy he's finding something that works for him. But despite that, I think Montez Ford is the standout of this team. We'll go back to that. Let's talk about the match. Metro Brothers taking on the Street Profits. Nick, do you have any research this week about their opponents? I do. JC and Chris Metro out of uh, the Dudley's personal training facility. They've been featured on AWE, ACW, Proving Grounds, and uh, Pro Wrestling 2.0. They've been tag team champions in a few of these places, and they've definitely shown their prowess. If you can find them on YouTube, they're, they're decent. They seem to be carrying their exact gimmicks from the independent scene over to NXT. Not so, often that happens. I yeah, think that's that's a sign of good things to come from. I'd these like guys. to see where WWE how much how much room they're gonna give this team to play with their own gimmick. It's like Deuce and Domino part two in my opinion. Unfortunately for the Metro Brothers, whenever a wrestler or wrestlers come out on television and you have no idea who they are and you have to research them, it usually doesn't end well for that team. They didn't put on a job performance tonight. I th- really think they held their own in the ring against the Street Profits. Yeah, I, agree. I agree. They got a full entrance in NXT. That's very important. They were able to look credible. It was not a squash match by any means. But the Street Profits still with a very successful debut. Like Nick was saying, Bob and Weaven having a lot of fun. Angelo Dawkins picking up the power. Montez Ford picking up the speed. And I think a bulk of the charisma on this team as well. Yeah, I was loving that finisher, by the way. <laughs> They really took the big and little team dynamic that's that's pretty common in the WWE, and they, they made it fun, they were dancing, they were having a great time. They remind me of the New Day, in a way, with a little more edge, a little more hard-hitting, and um, I would say Ford is clearly the standout performer of the group. I mean, he's a high flyer, and he hits hard. I mean, I was I mean, very impressed. that now, I mean, he's got, a, like, he's got a lot going, he's got a lot of charisma, but I don't know that he's going to be the standout in the technical area, and even if they... If he does, I'm still a little skeptical. I want to see more of his in-ring action. He was a lot of fun. He got amazing extension on that frog splash at the end, and I am a big critic of the frog splash, being one of Eddie Guerrero's biggest fans of all time. I take that move very seriously. A cyclone splash to a spine buster to the frog splash from Montez Ford. And Nick, to your point, Montez Ford has a 37 and a half high jump. Yeah, he had amazing extension. He got amazing height with that jump. If he got any closer to the top of the ceiling, honestly, I was worried for his life. He's a lot of fun, and I I want to see more of him, whether it be singles action and then Angelo Dawkins on the outside, but I'd like to see more of him in general. I don't want to see Angelo Dawkins go back to a singles run, but Montez Ford could be a standout in a tag team. You never know what the backstage is thinking. Matt, to your point about these guys reminding you of New Day, I know New Day likes to push the envelope, but uh, I've never seen them come out with red solo cups. Yeah, yeah, this is, they like to drink, they like to party, they like to wrestle. Snapchat fans, I I follow them, I hope you guys do as well. Street Profits with a successful debut tonight on NXT. 
Okay, I know we're all over the map tonight as far as divisions go, but we're finally moving into NXT Championship Singles Match for NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. But first, we heard and saw the actions of Hideo Watami attempting to jump Aleister Black, who we learned will be his NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 opponent after NXT last week. What is this new attitude of Hideo Itami? I've been confused for weeks. Matt, I'm sure you've been watching. What are your thoughts about Hideo's new attitude? I'm really excited about this mean streak Itami is on. I mean, he came into NXT with a lot of hype coming out of Japan and just a lot of excitement surrounding him. And unfortunately, he was marred with just a ton of injuries that really knocked down his hype. But, and he's coming back, and he's on this mean streak. And I'm, just, I'm very impressed with his in-ring work. Doing excellent. It can't take away from his doing work. I want to bring up the fact that during that attack, Alistair Black stayed in character the entire time with that steely-eyed look and just absolutely reserved the entire time. He only attacked when it was absolutely necessary, and then if you notice when watching it, he didn't actually have to like be held back by the security. He was just standing there, very reserved. Very calm, cool, and collected is Aleister Black, even under serious pressure by that vicious attack by Hideo. But you're right, Nick. Aleister following a martial artist code. He's not attack unless he's attacked first. What's next for these two on the road to Brooklyn? What can possibly keep these guys apart? I fear for these guys' safety. They're going to beat the hell out of each other. This kind of comparison I'm about to make, it's a little dangerous, but you know what? I'm on an undisputed future. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Let it fly. So, Aleister Black, I'm not saying... He is the new Undertaker, okay, but he certainly has that aura about him. The rise up from the entrance, it's scary, it's spooky, and I think it's something that maybe Bray Wyatt has been trying to do on the main roster, but for whatever reason it hasn't totally resonated. This guy has this very serious demeanor about him, and it's it's very reminiscent of Undertaker, especially later in his career where he's just the big boss. He doesn't say much. He walks around, and you know he runs the place. He doesn't have to say it. And I think he's going to bring that kind of command to his match with Hideo Itami at TakeOver. He doesn't have to say much about it. He's going to go in there, he's going to kick ass, take names, and that's what he does. We haven't heard much from Aleister Black. I don't believe we've heard a live microphone, but we've heard his words in vignettes. Seen exactly what he's all about. His actions speak way louder than his words. Absolutely. He's had matches, but he hasn't really had a personal feud, and this is his first personal feud within NXT, and I want to see exactly what he has to say today. There's a big chance that we're going to get to hear him say something next week, and I'd like to know what he's going to say. Aleister Black with the live microphone is definitely something to look forward to. This rivalry with Hideo Itami is going to come to a head at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. I know we use this phrase a lot, but let's bring it back. A hard-hitting matchup is sure to ensue. Cannot wait to see these guys throw a series of roundhouse kicks at each other. But moving on, we do hear from the champion. We do hear from Bobby Roode. We hear from Drew McIntyre. But first, we hear a nice little introduction from William Regal. It's always good to see William Regal. I I love his presence in the NXT. It's so good. That general manager role cannot be filled by anybody better. William Regal introducing the challenger first. And Drew McIntyre looking like the common man here, not the chosen one, like Nick pointed out while we were watching the broadcast. The last time we saw Drew McIntyre as a champion in a championship scenario, 
He was suited up. He was all suited up. He was ready to go as the chosen one. This time he comes out alone in jeans and a white t-shirt looking like the common man. Representing our NXT. Yeah, I'm just going to feed right off of that. He really was trying to send a message to the NXT universe. Like, this is our championship. When I get it, this is our championship. It's not all about me. I'm not glorious. I'm the common man. I'm here to win the NXT championship for all of you. Just a hard-working Scotsman is Drew McIntyre. Bobby Roode, what do we see? We see Bobby Roode's personal security team. We see the suit. We see the spinning around. of security. In the entourage. There was like eight of them just surrounding the ring. Personal. side. Personal security. Personal security. Because we all know how effective the NXT security is. If you don't know how effective they are, go back on the network, check out the feud of Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe. <laughs> Samoa Joe's opinion on NXT security <laughs> rages on, I'm sure, to this very day. But let's get into I just the. I want to wa- bring it back for a second. Sure. Yeah, Root also comes out. He comes out with an entourage of security, his own personal security, and he comes out in this tailor-made suit that is just amazing. Of course. Completely bringing that like two sides of a coin. You got the common man. Versus the glorious champion. Really subtle storytelling, but storytelling in a great way. Bobby Roode showing up in a suit, a tie, and a title, and his own personal security. Bobby Roode also had a lot to say about Drew McIntyre's past run in WWE, and a phrase directed at him last week by McIntyre, this word entitlement. This word entitlement seemed to be a very big focus of the champion And quite frankly, he didn't give a damn. You are damn right I'm entitled. Bobby Roode's exact words. Your thoughts on that? What is this entitlement that Bobby Roode just thinks he can walk around with this title swung over his shoulder? We've seen the ways he's held on to it against past opponents like Shinsuke Nakamura, like Hideo Itami, and Roderick Strong most recently. Your thoughts on Bobby Roode and this entitlement and just this ego he holds over the NXT universe? I 100% agree. I think Bobby Roode is incredibly entitled. I think from the second he walked into NXT, you can hear the entitlement. You hear the way the audience reacts to him. He's electric. He has been the most dominant performer in NXT since he's arrived. And there's no reason to think that he isn't entitled. But what one thing I noticed about this interaction between him and Drew McIntyre specifically was a lot of um, jargon about the money match, and and Bobby Roode is the money draw for this match. And this reminds me a lot, a lot, of the Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor promos from the last couple months. Because those guys borrowed from each other. They took that whole script right from the WWE. Oh, I, I addressed it last week when talking about Sonya Deville, how WWE is influencing UFC. UFC is taking these things from WWE. WWE is taking them right back and molding it. Really fascinating. Well, I think it's a good rant. Go back to episode 19 if you want to check that one out. Matt, a very good point. Mayweather-McGregor, it's a big money match. We want to bring that same vibe to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. Hell, it's at the Barclays Center. They held a press conference at the Barclays Center. I'm building up that I feel that Bobby Roode is entitled to be as entitled as he is because the man holds the title. Other than that, I also feel that, you know, he's just one of the best talents in the WWE. He's a a fantastic showman. When it comes to his in-ring ability, we all know that I am a huge fan. He doesn't stop. He always has a plan and he always executes it to perfection. These plans usually start at the face-to-face meetings. The psychological edge that Bobby Roode tries to get over his opponents through his trash talking. We'll get to that, though. 
But do you think Drew McIntyre bought it? I don't think Drew McIntyre is backing down a single bit. He is still convinced. We'll get to that. That it's his NXT. Nick, one more point about Bobby Roode. I like how, like, I I was 100% right, I want to say. He called him out on that second chance BS. I knew personally that Roode was not going to allow that to fly without being brought up. Reminding Drew McIntyre of his failures, definitely, yes, the I mean, big edge in this promo. He's trying to remember, he's trying to show him exactly what he did wrong, and that might not work to his advantage. Personally, I think that showing a man exactly what he did wrong could give him the blueprints to his own disaster. Drew McIntyre said it when he first showed up. He could have the raw talents and lay the smackdown on anybody, but he wants to be on NXT. He wants this proving ground to be a top champion. And his words spoke for that tonight. It's his NXT calling Bobby Roode an ass, being as direct as possible, short, sweet, and to the point. Yeah, he outright called him an ass. It was extremely bold. And some of the boldest things we've seen on NXT television. Turning things around on him, it was it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. It was fun to see. One thing I liked that of Roode in particular is when he he, uh, he dissed the we are NXT catchphrase per se. Best thing, you know, a heel persona can do, I think, is just take something the fans love and just crap all over it. And that's exactly what Bobby Roode did there. Bobby Roode oozes old school heel, turning a fan favorite phrase, certainly a showing of that. Bobby Roode and Drew McIntyre, not the only two who had some words this evening. Roderick Strong managing to make an appearance and this vendetta against Bobby Roode. Yeah, I feel the, like Roode was barely phased until Strong came out. He was barely he his, phased. He heard his entrance theme? He was barely phased by what Drew McIntyre had to say, and then he hears that entrance music and he turned. He was immediately like facing the like every direction, wondering where he was going to come from. He knows he wronged Roderick. He knows what Roderick Strong is capable in the ring. He doesn't have the experience with Drew McIntyre yet. So I'm going to agree with you there, Nick. Right now, I think more of a threat to Bobby Roode's especially, especially the mental game is Roderick Strong. Absolutely. I think that I think that factor working around the corner is always going to be in the back Absolutely. of his mind. Absolutely, I would say uh, Roode's feud with McIntyre at the moment, although it, it's gotten personal on some levels, but for the most part, it's just two competitors trying to be the best man and get the title. With Roger Strong, it's personal. And that's the big difference here. Absolutely. Roddy took a page right out of Bobby's book and turned around that are you man enough quote. Bobby so ever so rudely dropped on his wife. You want to deal with a real man, you can come to me. Also calling out Roderick Strong directly, this feud needs to pick up. It's it's culminating, but we're not getting it at TakeOver Brooklyn 3. I was waiting and waiting and waiting for a triple threat announcement. But they did put a unique spin on this. Roderick Strong will be facing the number one contender, Drew McIntyre, in a match next week. Now, if Roderick Strong manages to beat McIntyre, he will get Bobby Roode, but after TakeOver Brooklyn. And that's such a bubble burst for me. I'd love to see these two work it out in the ring, and then McIntyre and Strong get their hands on each other again, because I'm already anticipating a great match between these two. I, I am too, but I, I'm a little worried. Drew McIntyre wanting the match as eagerly as he did, I feel like that's not going to work in his favor. He has a lot going for him in this match in Brooklyn. It's only three days before the event. Exactly. That's a high-pressure match to have before a championship opportunity. I don't know that this is the best course of action. I like how he used it as a jumping point where he was like, I'm going to be a fighting champion, so this is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you how I'm going to be as a champion by taking on this challenge now. You guys really think uh, Roddy Strong is waiting 
until after takeover? I feel that he has enough reserve to, you know, he wants to respect Regal's wishes and he's not going to push it any farther than he Here's what I think. I think if and when he gets the win over McIntyre next week, he's going to want to get in that ring and take over. And he's going to want to get that chip and take it to Bobby Roode and take it to Drew McIntyre again. That's a good point, Matt, only because we have to take a lot of things into account with upcoming NXT TV. We have next week's episode, the match between Strong and McIntyre. But then we have TakeOver. And then the following Wednesday, it's the TakeOver post-show, pre-show, however you want to look at it. It really depends on whether you're live for the events or not. All things aside, that's a long time for somebody with a vendetta against Bobby Roode like Roderick Strong has to wait. So, wishes of William Regal or not, I think Roderick Strong is at least going to appeal for a TakeOver Championship match, assuming he's able to beat the Sinister Scotsman next week. I feel like our best chance of that actually happening, a triple threat match, would be Bobby Roode in some way, shape, or form, rearing his glorious head into that fantastic match. We'll have to see next week. Drew McIntyre takes on Roderick Strong. A great sit-down, well, stand-up, confrontation, (laughs) and a war of words between the number one contender and the champion. Cannot wait for next week. And I cannot wait to see Johnny Gargano back in the ring. Johnny Gargano with probably the most polite interview to Kayla Braxton in a number of weeks. It is about time. Somebody finally showing respect. Thank you, Johnny, for... I don't know if you're listening to us, but we have been big advocates for getting Caleb Braxton better interviewees, and Johnny Gargano had a lot to say. He specifically addressed the crowd in Brooklyn, which that hit a soft spot with me. That ovation for DIY last year in the match against The Revival, an instant classic, a match of the year on WWE.com, fantastic, fantastic match. That ovation is what motivated Johnny Wrestling. That's what makes Johnny Gargano Johnny Wrestling, but he's coming out alone now. And he addressed this aloneness, but he's never alone as long as the NXT universe is giving him their support. And Johnny Gargano is, quite frankly, the most organic babyface in NXT right now. I agree entirely. He uh, he definitely doesn't have to try too hard. He goes right from a personal standpoint. He pulls from his own knowledge and his own life The man has gone through a lot, and it's good to see how he's turning that into such a strong babyface character. Gargano remembers the beating that he took at the hands of his former tag team partner, Tommaso Ciampa, at NXT TakeOver Chicago. Gargano now trying to prove that that beating was motivation for him, that he is a reinvigorated and newly motivated superstar on the NXT roster, and right now he's looking for a match at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. Matt, your thoughts on Johnny Wrestling's promo? I was watching TakeOver Chicago, and I remember the finish, and I remember thinking, alright, this is it for DIY, they're going to make their grand exit, they're going to raise their arms, they'll probably get a call up to SmackDown, and this will be it. And as that little logo in the corner comes up, Tommaso Ciampa takes Johnny Gargano, slams him into the entrance. I could not believe it. And if there's one flaw about the WWE product these days, it's a little predictable sometimes. Guys, I did not see that coming one bit. It was incredible. That that definitely had that shock and awe kind of And if there's one thing that was negative about that is that both Gargano and Ciampa were both injured after this. And this... Unfortunately, I took a lot of the heat off of the feud because there was red hot after it happened. And I remember watching, wanting to watch NXT the next day 
or the next week, rather, and think, I wanted to find out more. And you did have Tommaso Ciampa come out and speak about it, but I was expecting to go full throttle into this. And because of injuries, it cooled off a little bit. And this reminds me a lot of after the Montreal screw job, when Bret Hart obviously got screwed, and he didn't appear on WCW for months. And I, th- I remember thinking, like, why isn't he on WCW? They should capitalize on this monster, monster heat. And make something out of it. And I, I felt the same way. Of course, this is not of anyone's fault. But it, it, I'm excited to see Johnny Gargano wrestling again. And I'm excited for them to build this back up to where it was after Chicago. I do want to see Gargano as a singles competitor. I do wish that we were able to pick up the steam of a DIY breakup and a singles match at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Nick, it doesn't look like that's happening, my dude, and uh, very disappointing. Major knee surgery still occurring for Tommaso Ciampa. It will be a number of months, Matt, but once that does happen, the feud will pick up fire again. I think it'll be like TakeOver Chicago was yesterday once these two get their hands on each other again. Johnny Gargano, motivation, going into Brooklyn. We'll find out what's next for him But what's next for this rivalry between two of the hardest-hitting and toughest workers in NXT? I'm talking about Oni Lorcan, their star destroyer, and Danny Burch, the London native. What another hard-hitting match in this series. Danny Burch proving why he was such a standout in the UK tournament. Oni Lorcan proving that he puts on some of the best matches week after week after opportunity on NXT. What a great series of matches. I'm looking forward to this one. The men in this match did a fantastic job showing us exactly what they bring to the table. The technical prowess of both of these men was off the charts. They went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until only Lorcan made one fatal error. He got a little cocky and took a smack shot at Danny Burch's ribs right around the kidney section, and Danny Burch did not like that. It immediately pissed him off. I think a standout part of the match for me was when somebody from Full Sail decided to yell out, be a man and fight your father. (laughs) Because let me tell you something, Danny Burch looks just like Oni Larkin, maybe 10, 15 years older, and it was was so funny. I am your father. (laughs) Because, and they're very similar in style, and it it was like watching... A, son. a father and a son. son. It was like, you know what? Maybe it's maybe it's not ten to fifteen. Maybe it's the fourteen year veteran status that Danny Burch has so. over Orny Lorkin. Maybe that fourteen years is just the edge that he had over Lorkin and a back and forth matchup. I liked the part where Danny Burch grabbed Orny Lorkin and tried to deliver those signature slaps we see from Lorkin week after week, giving the Star Destroyer a little bit of his own medicine. What can I say about the strikes in this match? They just kept on coming. Oh, they were hard and heavy. Birch was not only hitting with them strikes, he had the amazing neck wrench that he had applied, and he would not let go no matter what Oni tried to do. He tried to roll out, still had it in. Man had his neck locked up for at least two and a half minutes. Obviously watching the tape from their last encounter a couple weeks back. This this was just a good old-fashioned wrestling match. Uh, Jim Cornette and Dave Meltzer would approve of this one. It it was a hard-hitting match, and what you really saw was two guys who have had limited TV time in the past month or so, and they're going out and proving why that shouldn't be the case anymore. Oni Larkin, definitely an underrated worker on NXT. Danny Burch looking for his breakthrough post-UK tournament, and that could start now an impressive win for Danny Burch with one of the tightest cradles I've ever seen on WWE TV, Absolutely. guys. You can see the leverage in that cradle. But not before Danny Burch first hit the Tower of London off the top rope 
Oni Larkin still had the power to kick out and hit the running blockbuster. But Danny Burch, like you said, still pulled it out with a big roll-up on Oni Larkin. Two great signature moves. Thank you, Nick. That hanging stunner from Danny Burch, the Tower of London. I called it London Bridge because it fell down. But Nigel McGuinness corrected me from my couch. And Oni Larkin's famous running blockbuster. I love that move. Oh, it's fast, so good. Fast moving and high impact, for sure. And it was a little tense at the end of that match, but eventually had some sportsmanship shown by both competitors towards the end, with Danny Birch politely letting Oni Larkin right out of the ring. So so what do we think about this? Are they going to get the Sheamus Cesaro treatment? Are we going to see the bitter rivals become the best of tag team partners? I'd love to see them as a tag team. I want to see the series continue, especially with that little bit of tension. We know of Oni Larkin's temper. Not accepting the handshake fully at first, Matt. I thought that was very interesting. It still shows that competitive edge that Oni Larkin has, but... To your point, I do think they can coexist as a tag team. I don't know if they can go with the whole father-son angle, yeah. but I do want to see them team together. Well, that's popular now, as we, can, I, I as we know. I, I, think, know I think they have that style, that throwback style that we might be missing from NXT since the Revival got called up. Yeah, absolutely. Clubbering in the corner from Danny Burch and Oni Larkin could spell a lot of trouble for some NXT tag I teams. I'd love anger, to see it. I feel that the anger that came out of Oni towards the end was specifically the roll-up. I mean, the roll-up can be, like, it's it's almost, it's like right there next to a cheap move. It's not cheap, but it's not cool either. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that and up. it's definitely, uh, like, an underwhelming way to end such a fantastically drawn-out match. Let's go Let's go back to the roll-up point for just a split second. I hate when announcers say he stole one after a roll-up every single time. Sometimes that's true when they grab the tights, but a good queen cradle like Danny Burch executed a perfectly legitimate, not-stealing way to win a matchup. Danny Burch successful on NXT TV, sportsmanship with Oni Larkin at the end. I cannot wait to see what's next for these two. Is it a two-out-of-three series? Is it a tag-team match? Is it a tag-team matchup? That culminates after a two out of three series, we'll have to see in the coming weeks of NXT television. The last match of this episode is Andrade Cien Almas taking on No Way Jose, two of NXT's resident party boys. No Way Jose still bringing the Dominican fire, having a lot of fun with the crowd. The fiesta was brewing in full sail. The conga line was going. We were enjoying it here. No Way Jose and Crowd Connection go hand in hand. He is a NXT success story, and it yeah, shows, every, it shows every time we see him on without TV. Without a shadow of a doubt. The man had a conga line going outside the, <laughs> outside the ring. It was absolutely amazing to see what he can do with the fans. A big difference, and I, I hate comparing the product today to the Attitude Era too much, because I feel like that just gets everyone frustrated. You and, brought up the Montreal Screwjob before, man. That <laughs> ships out the window. All right, right. we're already that. here. Go you know for it. We're already here. You know, I think a, a really big difference between the Attitude Era and the New Era is the lack of charismatic and interesting mid-carders. I, I, I just think of the Attitude Era. I remember Farouk and Bradshaw in the back playing That's cards. That's a fantastic, that is a fantastic I think of point. Point. Rikishi and Scotty Duhati dancing around and shaking there's his big certain, butt. There's a certain thing missing from people who are just happy being on the mid-card and like enjoy just working. In Mr. General. S. Mr. S, baby. Billy Gunn, one of the greatest mid-card workers of all time. But you have No Way Jose, who is just a fun time, and you know I think he could be an excellent mid-carder on the main roster. And I, I don't know what's taking them so long, guys. 
No Way Jose, definitely over with the NXT Universe. We'll see where this story continues with him. But the main focus on this match tonight, I feel, and definitely demonstrated on TV, was this new side of Almas being brought out by the drop-dead gorgeous, if I'm being up front here, Zelina Vega. Zelina Vega inspiring. I want to take a second to bring up what she was wearing. She's a credible women's manager, guys. Like a, a sash. We can talk about this for the next hour. I'm okay with that. <laughs> she was so gorgeous. But I want to bring out the fact that the she... The NXT Undisputed Future Podcast does not endorse misogyny. Go on, Nick. She brought out the best in Andrade. She forced him to put down that party boy attitude because she scolded him once. And then he did it immediately following that and learned exactly why you don't show off. Zelena Vega not allowing the tranquilo attitude of Andrade Cien Almas. Usually we'll see it happen on the ropes. He lays down on the mat. A little bit of mind games, but at the same time, it's cockiness. It's cockiness that has cost him matchups in the past. And Vega was very wise to that, scolding Almas once, scolding him again after he got kicked in the face by Jose, hanging out in between the ropes. And this new attitude, it, it seems to pay off. Yeah. Vega just sparked this competitive spirit back into Almas. Yeah, once he stopped with those little games, he started putting the boots to faces, and more importantly, putting them knees to faces to end this match. This is the kick in the butt Andrade needed in terms of his character. And as a fan, I was a little bored with his character, to be quite frank. And then here comes Zelina Vega managing him micromanaging him while he's in the ring. I thought that was spectacular. Very brilliant move. Zelina Vega definitely a motivating force for Andrade, motivating him to pick up a win over No Way Jose with that signature. Hammerlock DDT, a devastating move. And done to such a tall man like No Way Jose, just seeing that arm wrenched around the back, it looked, more, pa it looked more painful. That looked just Dislocating his shoulder terrible. while driving his face into the mat leading to a huge and necessary win for Andrade Cien Almas, especially around this takeover time. Zelina Vega addressed the takeover time, most specifically the challenge set out by Johnny Gargano. Nick, I'm going to start with you. Do we see Gargano versus Almas at takeover, and how excited are you to see that? I am beyond excited. Honestly, I don't think that Gargano is going to back down in any way, shape, or form. Whether or not William Regal allows it to actually become a reality is a whole nother set of cards, but I personally would love to see that match, and yes, I think Gargano is going to jump all over the opportunity. We got the big heel right now in Andrade Cien Almas, his wonderful new manager, and now Gargano with his return. It's a great stage for both of these men to bring what they have to the table. You have two wrestlers who are sort of in the process of a reboot. You have Johnny Gargano, who is, of course, trying to prove himself as a singles competitor. And you have Andrade with this new attitude and this new manager. So you're really looking to see the dynamic and how they interact in this ring. And I really think, no matter who wins, I think both competitors really step it up. And they're really gonna, you're really going to see these guys move up the card. And a big match at NXT TakeOver is definitely going to do that for them. Gargano and Almas, will it be made official? I hope we see that match at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Let's go over the matches that we know are official for NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. Your most anticipated matchup. Matt, I'm going to start with you first. It's got to be Asuka versus Ember Moon. What's going to happen with Asuka? 
Is she due for a main roster call-up? Is the belt going to drop? Can she take on Ember Moon? There's so many questions that I need to find out the answer to. Is Ember Moon going to hit that eclipse on Asuka and get the 1-2-3 count at NXT Brooklyn? Will she do what she couldn't do in Orlando? Will she be the one Ember Moon, a fierce competitor? Nick, your most anticipated match for TakeOver thus far. I think everyone who's ever listened to the Undisputed Future podcast knows exactly what I'm about to say. It is the main event of TakeOver, Bobby Roode versus the Sinister Scotsman. It is going to be an amazing showing. You know, I've been rooting for McIntyre since the day we've seen him back. Bobby Roode is, of course, one of my personal favorites. So even if this wasn't the main event, it's the main event in my mind. It's kind of a win for you either way, no matter who walks out champion. Absolutely. We'll get to actual predictions next week, of course. My most anticipated match to this point is Hideo Itami versus Aleister Black. To Nick's point earlier, Aleister Black's first rivalry in NXT being such a marquee superstar like Hideo Itami says a lot about the confidence they have in Aleister Black. And Hideo Itami with this new attitude, badass persona... It's bound to be a hard-hitting match. I said it before. I said it about Danny Burch and Oni Larkin. I'm saying it about this one, too. Aleister Black and Hideo Itami, two accomplished martial artists. Coming from a martial artist himself, I cannot wait for this one. But let's look forward right before TakeOver. Let's go over what's on the docket for next week. We have Roderick Strong taking on Drew McIntyre in a high-stakes matchup. Not to mention the fact that we are going to get to see Ember Moon go face-to-face with her NXT TakeOver opponent, Asuka, the women's champion, in a contract signing. I'm sure that will end in a handshake. And um, a- uh, absolutely. Yes, a light handshake, a good luck to you, ma'am, as well to you, ma'am, and... Uh, I- possibly I'm- a kick in the face. <laughs> I mean... Uh, handshake. I, I'm not putting any ideas in that. William Regal would never let that happen. Yeah, a civilized not. gentleman like William Regal is going to hold these ladies to a standard of accord. We'll see that next week. Ember Moon, Asuka, contract signing, making it official for NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. We're still on the road to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. I want to thank these two guys. Nick, it's always nice to have you. Matt, your first time on. Did you have a lot of fun? I loved it. I want to thank you guys for having me on. Cheers to 20 episodes in, hopefully 20 million thousand more. Hopefully I'll be guest starring on more of them. I love it. We'll be here every week as long as people like you keep listening. Thank you so much for listening this week. Be sure to follow the Twitter at podcast underscore UF. The Instagram at Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word. Find us on Facebook, Undisputed Future Podcast. You should be able to spell all that out. SoundCloud, we're on. It's your main source for audio. Subscribe to iTunes. That's where you're going to find all the episodes as well as other segments. SIWA Livewire is another thing we're going to be a part of. A very busy month of August for us. SIWA Livewire comes to you live from Newark, New Jersey on the same day as TakeOver, August 19th. But I promised you once, I promise you again, you will make both events. Please come out to Newark, hang out with us. I'm doing commentary. Nick is in an elimination gauntlet, hardcore championship match. Nick, anything else you want to say about the event? I know it's a huge night for you. I can personally guarantee that it is going to be a gruesome event. It is going to be fantastic for me personally to get back into the ring. I cannot wait. And if you do come, you will see some of the best talents Staten Island has to offer. SIWA Livewire. Contact us for tickets. SIWAWrestling.com as well. And they're also available on Eventbrite if you just want to go and directly get the tickets online yourself. But that's August 19th. 
We're still on the road to that date, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. I am CD Danny Mac. Joining me this week, I got Nikki Six. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I got the drumming rapper, Matt Savage. Thank you. Great to be here. Great road to TakeOver. I hope your week and your excitement hits as hard as a Shinsuke Nakamura Kinshasa. And I'll talk to you next week. This is the Undisputed Future Podcast.